My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 132. Hey folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. Yesterday, I enlightened folks on how to become a car dealer. And uh, I'm not going to review everything we talked about. Hopefully you can, uh, you know how to use a podcast because it is actually posted now on Apple Podcast, on Android, or let's see, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcast, and uh, Spotify, and a few other places. I am worldwide now. D- uh, thank you, Internet. Yes. Thank you, Al Gore. Didn't he invent it? No, I don't think he did. But anyway, thanks whoever invented it, because it has really expanded the reach of this program. So anyway, today we're not going to talk about how to become a dealer. We're going to talk about how dealers become crooks and the different places where you can be taken advantage of if you're dealing with a dealership that has some shady characters working for them. Now, I must say that most new car dealers, just about every new car dealer that I have ever met, are good, solid citizens, and they run their businesses ethically. At least they think they do. But a lot of the people that work in the car business, you know, their ethical compass does not point north. It points in other directions. They have figured out some way to justify in their mind or maybe just ignore their conscience or their conscience just becomes so muted that they can't even tell the difference between right and wrong. You know, some of the things that I have seen salespeople do over the years that I have fired people for or that I have heard about happening at other dealerships or read about, you know, through all the stuff that I have read over the years. I mean, I don't see how these people sleep because it is no different than robbing a bank. You know, if you take money from somebody who is uh, unsuspecting and innocent and you take their money that you're not entitled to, that's stealing. I don't care how you do it. Now, is charging somebody, you know, full retail price for something stealing? I don't think so. You know, especially, I mean, during the recession stuff, as short as inventory was, a lot of dealers charged more than MSRP for vehicles because that was the market. They couldn't get any cars. And they had to survive, and people were willing to pay it, you know. I mean, most of the things that happen in car dealerships happen because the buyers let it happen. They don't know what to look out for, and they're trusting and they sign paperwork that they don't read. There's all kinds of different traps. We did a show on traps not too long ago. Today, I'm going to just basically talk about how car dealers turn bad and, and, and really, or maybe not car dealers, but how their people turn bad. And the primary reason is because many of them are on straight commission. Now, it takes a brave person, a confident person, to work at a job where when they go to work at the, at the begin, beginning of a month, they have no idea what they're going to make. Now, we have to pay our employees, our salespeople, or car dealers in general, have to pay their salespeople at least a minimum wage. What's that? Well, seven and a quarter, something like that. Nobody's going to work for that these days. You know, a lot of most salespeople have a base guarantee, but it's not something they can live on. 
It's not something they intend to live on. They know that they can sell a certain number of cars and make a certain amount of money. Now, salespeople are paid based on not just the number of cars that they sell, but how much money they make on each car that they sell. Typical sales pay plans pay anywhere from 25 to, in some cases, 35% of the gross profit that's made on a car. Now, what is that? Well, the gross profit is the difference between the cost of the car and the sale price of the car. Now, most dealers have different types of packs and things like that that will reduce that that profit as far as what they're going to pay salespeople on. But for the most part, I mean, just to simplify things, that's how they're paid. They're paid a percentage. Let's say they're on a 25% pay plan. They're paid 25% of whatever that gross profit is. So the more they can charge, then the more money they can make. Now, is that in direct conflict to the consumer? Yes, it is. Because you don't want them to make a whole lot. You want them to make... You know, you understand, right, that that they need to make a profit. You just don't want them to make too much. What is too much? Well, most people can't define that. You know, if you ask the average person, how much does a car dealer make when they sell a $50,000 car? The average person, based on my experience, will say, well, they're probably making ten dollars or $15,000. Well, they're not. They're making about 6%, 8% on the high side. So what is 6% of $50,000? That's $3,000 the dealership makes in terms of profit. So what's the salesperson get? Well, if he's on a 25% commission plan, he makes, what, $750. So if he sells 10 cars in a month and he'll make, and, and say he averages that, then he'll make $7,500 in a month. Um, that's pretty good money. The problem is you normally don't make full profit on a car. Um, You know, it's actually possible for a salesperson to make zero gross on a car, gross profit on a car. And the dealership makes a little bit. They make the whole back, uh, which is uh, anywhere from 1.5% on an import car to 3%. Well, it's less than that now, probably 2.5% on a domestic car. And that's all the profit there is. And so what does a salesperson get paid if they actually end up selling the car for invoice? So there's no real profit to pay the salesperson on because he's paid on everything over the over the invoice price. Well, he gets a mini deal. Well, what's what's a mini deal? Well, he gets a basic small bonus, I guess you'd call it, for selling a car, and that's typically $150. So you know, if you have a salesperson sell 10 cars and and average $750 a car as far as commission, that's $7,500. What does he make if all of his deals are mini deals? $1,500. Big difference. Could you live on that? You know, and the average salesperson is working, I would say, 50 hours a week. So he's working 200 hours in a four-week month to make $1,500. What is that? $750. $750 an hour. Now, when you compare that to what the new workers, or I guess with the new UAW contract, what those folks are making up in Detroit and different places in the country, they're making $40 an hour. And they're, you know, attaching door trim panels to the inside of a car. Not that that isn't important. It is. But you've got a salesperson that's selling it, making $750 an hour, and you've got somebody 
that's making it, making $40 an hour. Do you see the disconnect here? So what happens is salespeople don't want to make $750 an hour. You wouldn't either. So they do everything they can if they're, if they're good, ethical salespeople. Sales professionals, they're going to build value in the car. They're going to have great product knowledge. The customer is going to like them and trust them. And, uh, you know, they're going to do a, a thorough demo drive on the car. They're going to make the people really want the car, you know, and, and give them good reasons to buy the car. Now, how often does that work? Well, a really good salesperson is going to close probably a third of the people that they talk to. So two-thirds of the people are going to say, nah, I'm going to go buy somewhere else. Even though he did just as, mu as much work with them as he did with the person that bought. And so that can be very disappointing, especially to a guy that has a mortgage, has a wife, has three kids, has got bills to pay. He can't live on $750 a month, so what happens? Well, the good ones do a good job and, and, like I say, build value. The bad ones find ways to cheat the customer. They try to convert the customer from thinking about the sales price of the car and get them to think about the monthly payment. And what that does is that causes the customer to lose sight of what they're really paying for the car, also lose sight of what they're actually getting for their trade-in. You know, they're not looking at the most important number, which is the trade difference. How much are they having to pay? I mean, total dollars. And then looking at the financing, no. That salesperson doesn't want them to look at that because he can make more money by getting them to focus on the monthly payment because that way the customer doesn't know what they're paying for the car. This is where the ethics run off the rails. And, you know, it's not illegal to do that. It's unethical, but it's not illegal. It's only illegal if the salesperson and the, the desk manager, the guy, the sales manager, and the finance department are in cahoots with each other, and they start packing the payments with uh, warranties and gap insurance and all this other stuff, which are, you know, and, and as long as you present those to the customer and they know what they're buying, they're great products. You know, the, the tire and wheel protection, you know, key replacement, there's all kinds of different insurance policies and stuff that you can buy uh, after you buy the car. But the unethical dealers pack all that stuff into the monthly payment, and the customer doesn't know that they're actually buying those things. So if they were just buying the car, their payment might have been, you know, like on 60 months at a good interest rate, maybe their payment's $450 a month. But the, the crooked salesperson quotes them $575 a month. And he does that. Uh, he does that real early on, try, trying to fish around and find out what kind of monthly payment they're comfortable with. And then he quotes them, you know, a payment that's probably fifty to hundred dollars more than that. And then he just works with the customer to try to get that payment down. Customer has no clue what they're paying for the car. They're just looking at that monthly payment, and as long as it gets down to about five hundred a month, they're good. But they could have bought it for a whole lot less if they just not focused on the monthly payment. So this is where the crooked dealership makes way more money than the honest dealership does because they are willing to do this payment packing thing. And so what does that do for the salesperson? He makes a lot more money. His wife's a lot happier. 
his kids get nicer toys. You know, they get to drive nice cars and buy a boat and go on big vacations and stuff like that. Do you understand why somebody, why that might be appealing to, well, heck, that's appealing to everybody. Everybody wants that. But it's just about what are you willing to do to get it? And if you're packing payments, you're stealing. You're taking money from people that they don't know they're giving you that money. They are giving you the money. They're signing the paperwork. You know, they're, they're walking into the finance office and they're willingly signing paperwork that they're not reading. They don't know what they're buying. And as a crooked salesperson, you know that they're willing to do that. Now, some people will buck on it. What do you do when they buck? Well, you just back up is what they say in the car business. You just put it in reverse, back up, and you make adjustments. You know, you make the customer happy. Maybe they buck on the $500 a month payment, and they say, well, what's included in that? Well, you end up taking all that stuff out, and they end up buying the car from you, and they're reasonably happy, and they end up sending sending you uh, their friends and neighbors and stuff like that, even though they shouldn't because you were trying to steal from them. So where do these people come from? How do they get this way? Well, a lot of it's because they're on straight commission and they're just they're just not you know their ethics allow them to do that. They're, they they learn to ignore their conscience. Now they would they want it done to them? No. But uh, they're willing to do it to somebody else. And I guess they justify it because, well, the customer signed in the paperwork. They should read it. Well, that's just, that's not a good excuse. Would you agree? Okay, I'll take my first break. I'll be back in just a minute. Okay, I am back. You know, we're talking about where do these people come from that are willing to take your money unethically and they work in car dealership. You know, they don't just work in car dealership. Let's just let's make this perfectly clear. There are crooked insurance agents, there are crooked contractors. You know, there are crooked exterminators. We had we dealt with a my wife and I dealt with a crooked exterminator one time. And um, they installed what was it called? It was a basement um, basically a dehumidifier that you put in the basement or in your crawl space. And I had it done to three different houses, and they did a horrible job. How did I find out they did a horrible job? Because I had an ethical company, a good company, come in and inspect their work. And uh, they said, who did this? And I told them, and they said, yeah, it figures, because they knew about them. So, you know, you can have dishonest people in any business. Where Where did the dishonest people come from? Well, you hire them, and you don't do background checks and you don't test them, and you don't do any type of personality profiles, that won't guard you against everybody, just like a flu shot won't keep you from getting the flu 100% of the time. But at least it helps. So we hire them. Um, people are here for a while, and then they get trained by uh, your other people, who have, or your other salespeople or whatever, who, learn, who have learned shortcuts and tricks and stuff to make more money. I'm, yeah, I've had them work for me. You know, when you discover it, you you know you take action against that person, disciplinary action, I guess, as much as you can do to an adult. And then if it happens again, you fire them. Um, you know, I've never had to turn anybody over to the authorities. I never had anybody do anything that bad. But 
yeah, I mean, you've got to really watch your people, and you've got to have good good processes and good paperwork, and you've got to review, uh, do spot audits on deal folders and make sure that customers are signing uh, everything the way they're supposed to. We, I actually had a finance manager that um, uh, back in, let's see, when was this? Back in 1987, and uh, he would actually do the paperwork for customers, and instead of ha- having them sign the contract, he would sign it for them. He would forge their signature. He'd get them to sign the mileage statement, stuff like that, but he'd forge their signature on a contract. It took me, let's say, I, I think it took about 30 days or something like that for me to discover this, and, and it was just a sheer accident uh, going through some folders and stuff, and we found this. And, and um, he needed to be prosecuted, he got fired. We had to go back and refund. Gosh, I don't re- I don't remember how much it was, but it's a pretty big number. But I didn't know anything about it. You know, you can have. I didn't uh, know that that I had a secretary stealing from me one time. I mean, we had an audit done by our uh, accounting firm, and they found it. So you just don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure that I've had stuff carried out the back door many times. Oh, yeah, I had, one time I had a body shop guy. He worked in a body shop, and one of my other body shop guys came up to me and said, Lenny, do you know that such and such is stealing toilet paper? I said, stealing toilet paper? He said, yeah. He said, every Friday he goes into your big storage thing where you have all your your uh, you know supplies and stuff like that and gets him a six-pack of toilet paper and takes it home with him. And so I confronted him. I said, what are you doing? Why are you stealing toilet paper? He said, well, there's plenty of it back there. And I said, you know what? And he said, what? I said, you're fired. Over toilet paper? Yes, over toilet paper. Because if somebody's going to do that, then they're going to steal other stuff too. Okay, so, you know, another thing that happens, though, I think that people get numb and they lose compassion for their fellow man. And they're thinking about it's all about them and their family, and why should I be concerned about this total stranger? Um, that's not the right perspective. And I don't know how it develops, but there's plenty of people out there that have that perspective, and they don't all just work in the car business. All right, I'll be back here in just one minute. So there are things that you have to watch out for as a consumer, and you should be able to tell it. when you. I've said this many times. When you walk into a car dealership to buy a car, and the first thing the salesperson, well, maybe not the first thing, but maybe the third thing out of their mouth is, what kind of monthly payment are you looking for? That is a bad sign. Now, that question can come out. It's a legitimate question. You know, if you've been paying $350 a month and that's your total budget, then you know if we look at three fifty a month on on sixty months, probably not going to buy the car you're looking at. We haven't even looked at your credit yet, so you know you may have really bad credit, and your interest rate's going to be really high. But you know if it, it's so, it's not an illegitimate question asked. But if it comes too early in the conversation, then they're fishing. They're fishing for a payment buyer. Don't be a payment buyer. Yes, you do have to know what you can afford per month. I mean, if four fifty a month is all you can afford, then do the math. Find out what kind of how much you can spend on a car to get a payment at you know, sixty months. If you're comfortable with financing one eighty four months, figure it on eighty four. See what it takes. 
there's payment calculators all over the internet. And if you can't do it, then go to a bank or someplace like that or your really smart friend that has a financial calculator and do the math and find out how much car 450 a month will, will buy on 84 months. That's how much you can spend on a car. And don't let the salesperson convert you to monthly payments. Most people will bump on monthly payments um, because they want the car. You know, they've driven it. They're all excited about it and everything. And then, you know, the salesman says, well, you can't buy it for 400 I might be able to get you to 500 They say, well, I can't do 500 but I might be able to do 450 $50 extra a month, are you sure you can afford that? That was awful sudden. Now, when you came into the dealership, you had established the budget. We're not paying any more than 400 a month, and you're already up $50 a month. You know what $50 times 84 months is? That's $4,200. That's not going to be in your budget. It's going to be on your car. You're going to be going to Toyota Motor Credit or Nissan Motor Credit or somebody. And a lot of that extra money was pure profit for the dealership because... They weren't ethical. So these are things you have to watch out for, but you've got me. You've got the guru on your side. Call me, 423-552-2020, or send me an email, lennylawson2020 at gmail.com, and I'll keep you from making a mistake before you make it. That's one of my, that's my mission. That's not one of my missions. That is my mission. Well, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.